I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again here to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett taking you through this next hour as... um, we're kind of in wait around season right now, Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're waiting around for coaching things to be finalized. We're waiting around for transfer portal things to be finalized, quarterbacks to be finalized. Uh, recruits can't be on campus until the weekend of January 14th. Uh, we know Nebraska is going to host a fairly large group of recruits, five, six guys, um, with a few of those guys being from the transfer portal, most notably Brock Purdy, a quarterback uh, from. Florida State, who Nebraska Chubba. is. Chubba. Who did I say? Brock. That's his brother. Yeah, sorry, Chubba Purdy. <laughs> Not the Iowa State quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Chubba. Brock's brother. It will be here um, on the weekend of the 14th, and he's a Whipple guy. But I think the other thing we're really waiting on, Robin, and we're taping here at 1230 on Thursday. We've waited as long as we humanly can um, to tape this show for our proud affiliates across the state of Nebraska uh, that air our show um, uh, throughout the week here um, about – uh, the transfer quarterback, but Casey Thompson, the Texas quarterback, the son of Charles Thompson, um, was in Lincoln on his own for a walk-around tour. Um, couldn't be a part of anything formal with the coaches in person. Um, so everything you know that he did had to be maybe a FaceTime call or a phone call. Uh, but Casey Thompson, the Texas quarterback, you know it's not official, official. But Robin, all signs at least feel like. This is going to be the guy Nebraska is going to end up with here from this transfer portal. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, especially if they do uh, go the route, as we expect uh, at this point, of taking two transfer quarterbacks, uh, I think that that makes a lot of sense there. Uh, Because, I mean, he's a guy that has experience. Uh, You know, he threw for 2,100 yards, 24 touchdowns last season uh, at Texas. Uh, But, you know, he's he's a guy that is being coveted by other Power Five programs that – I think would give Nebraska at least a, a little bit more substance in in terms of experience and proven commodity for that quarterback competition. But uh, you know, with the fact that you know Chubba Purdy is, is still planning on visiting, you know, shortly thereafter, uh, it seems like the stars are aligning for those to potentially be the two transfer quarterbacks that join uh, Smothers and Harburg in that kind of four-man competition. And we'll see who kind of has the leg up going into the spring. But that at least gives Nebraska four viable options to try to find somebody who can replace Adrian Martinez. And then even Richard Torres will be here, but he's going to have a knee surgery. And he's, you know, I don't think he's going to be really full go in the spring. But, yeah, they'll, they'll have options if they can pull this off. And, you know, I think when Adrian Martinez left Nebraska, the specifics of what Nebraska needed and wanted were pretty specific. They needed a older veteran guy that preferably had power five or high major quarterback experience um, that could come in and be as good or better than Adrian Martinez. Well, there aren't a lot of those guys out there. I mean, it's like trying to say you're looking for um, a specific type of woman when you go out to a bar. Like, I am only going to date this girl. She's this, this, and this at the bar. And if I can't find her, I'm not going to take it. Well, Nebraska really was patient. They they had an approach, and um, I, I think when you look at Casey Thompson, if this is indeed who they go with, Robin, um, what I like about Casey Thompson is, you know, you talk about the fishbowl of being a Nebraska quarterback. Well, guess what? The fishbowl of being a Texas quarterback is as big or bigger, and you know he he's got a year of starting experience for the Longhorns. He's got two years of eligibility remaining. His dad played quarterback for Oklahoma, um, and they were a number one ranked team in the 80s when he was there. So he has been around fishbowl environment, college football at its finest. 
And, you know, I, I think that is a big part of coming to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You know, like Tanner Lee, when he came here from Tulane, kind of a big step forward. You know, when, when you think about him transferring in, um, there are very few people that can just walk into this place and handle all of the different demands and microscopes that go on you as being the quarterback. I think this guy could and would. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that he's he's been around it. He spent four years at Texas kind of understanding – what this level of college football in a market like Nebraska, like Texas, is all about. And, you know, he's, he's 23 years old. He's, he's a man now. And so, you know, he's not just some, you know, uh, bright-eyed kid coming off uh, his senior year of high school getting thrown right into this. He's been around the block and um, has experienced the highs and lows of being a major college quarterback. So I think that's going to be a real asset for him just in terms of being able to, to weather – all that comes with this competition and um, potentially even this, this starting quarterback role in Nebraska. And then, you know, especially with the other guys that that's the one knock with, with everybody else that we've talked about in that quarterback room is just the vast inexperience uh, in terms of game snaps. He would be by far the most veteran player in that room, which in theory would put him probably uh, at the forefront going into the start of spring ball. You're listening here to the Husker online show. As we talk, um, Transfer quarterbacks and the potential addition uh, of Casey Thompson from Texas, a little smaller than Adrian Martinez. I mean, he's 6'1", um, so he, you know, he's not a, a big guy. He can run. Now, at Texas, they, they didn't run him a ton. He ran enough. Um, I mean, he had, I think, three runs of 15-plus yards. He had a long run of 40. Uh, he threw for 388, Robin, against Texas. Um, I'm sorry, against Oklahoma. Um, so, you know, he's proven to do both. I, I don't know how much Nebraska necessarily wants their quarterback to run a ton. I think yeah. they, they need that quarterback to be able to run some, but not a lot. Yeah, I mean, you don't want 25 carries a game out of your quarterback, and certainly uh, I don't think that's the plan. And so I think he's more than mobile enough. Uh, he did battle. You know, he's got a little bit of an injury history. You know, last year he had a sprained thumb that uh, forced him to shut down throwing for a month, but didn't require surgery. So, you know, he's he's kind of gone through his his bumps and bruises here. But uh, I think just from a physical standpoint, he fits what they need. Um, you know, like I said, he's not the biggest guy. He's not a Heinrich Harburg out there, but um, I think he's he's fast enough. But I think what this really comes down to, and you've seen it, you know, where. Um, you know, the, it's not always the, the best athletes or the most prototype uh, players physically that are the best quarterbacks in, in a scheme like this. It's uh, the guys that know where to put the football, put it there consistently, and make the right plays far more than, than they make mistakes. And if you do that, uh, Mark Whipple is going to find ways to maximize your talents. He's he just, proven that. How about this portal market, though, Robin? You talk about Oklahoma's guy that was set to be the starter is leaving potentially. Um, Texas' starter is leaving. Nebraska's starter left. USC's guy left. LSU's guy, Miles Brennan, decided to stay. Um, Hayner at Fresno State decided to stay. I mean, it, it is absolutely insane kind of what's happened, particularly with the quarterback position and the premium value that these quarterbacks have in the NIL marketplace that's potentially out there for some of these guys once they enter the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And I throw Bo Nix at Auburn, too. I mean, he, he jumped ship. So you're talking about – Where did he go again? Oregon. Oregon. So, I mean, you're talking about high-profile programs with established starters that are jumping ship and, and moving on. And it's, a, it's the new era. I mean, this is just the way it's going to be, and especially with NIL where – you could see guys that are entrenched players with like like high profile star players within a program put their names in the portal to just test the market and see what's out there see what other opportunities they can get not only from a football standpoint but from an NIL standpoint I and mean, well it, NIL technically is great though like you can't use it as pay for play <laughs> but you can get very strong hints about what potentially marketplace you might be able to generate if hypothetically you came to that school so there are ways to make that pitch without directly saying you come here you're making x amount of dollars all right well we got a full show on tap when we come back robin we're going to talk about 2022 the big 10 and kind of what we saw over bowl season we're going to take some questions in the mailbag as well two mailbag segments for you robin two big time and we'll close with some basketball as nebraska will play at rutgers on saturday that's all next in this week's edition of the husker online show
Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. I'm going to talk some Big Ten Bulls and kind of looking ahead now to 2022 after what we got to watch over the last couple of weeks in the bowl games. But before we get to that, this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. It is your premier spot. Uh, go on in. They're going to have NFL football. The Chiefs play Saturday, by the way, Robin. Um, I'll be watching that closely, and I hope Tennessee can lose so the Chiefs can regain that home field advantage. Um, but on Sunday, NFL football as well. They'll have the national championship game then uh, for the college football playoff on Monday night. And all the Nebraska basketball action, uh, men's and women's. And if there's a BTN plus women's game, they'll have that on in Tanner. So um, get on into Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill. Great wings, service, cold beer. Um, it is your premier place to watch all sports, all things Huskers. Uh, but, Robin, let's talk bowl games. Uh, when, when you look at um, the Big Ten over the bowl season, you know, it, it was a hard season to gauge. Um Start first and foremost, Michigan's beat down against Georgia was really disappointing mm-hmm. um, because that, that was obviously the measuring stick game. Um, Ohio State was missing a lot of guys in the Rose Bowl. Purdue was missing a lot of guys against Tennessee. Um, but you, you look at, to me, I'm not surprised Georgia won, uh, but the way they handled Michigan um, – it was pretty humbling for the Big Ten champion. Yeah, and you thought that with the way Michigan had been playing, with what they had just done to Ohio State, and um, and how they looked in the Big Ten championship, that 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 was a game that you know they were going to match up, and they were going to show a level of Big Ten physicality that uh, you know maybe a, a team like Georgia hadn't seen, and clearly that didn't play out to where that game was not competitive at all. Georgia did whatever they wanted. Michigan's offense looked completely inept. So, yeah, a big letdown uh, for the league. But overall, um, I'd say it's been a pretty successful bowl season for the Big Ten. I mean, that Ohio State game in the Rose Bowl was as entertaining of a game as you're going to see anywhere, especially for it being on that stage. And Ohio State's roster situation they were dealing with. Um, and then, you know, I think overall the the Purdue game over Tennessee, that was a big win. And then Maryland just absolutely shellacking Virginia now, Tech, Virginia 54 Tech to 10. had an interim head coach, and, and they were in transition. But, but it's still. Maryland. For them to go in and, and whip an opponent like that, you know, I thought that was, that was impressive. So there were highs, there were lows, but I think overall it was a much more successful bowl season for the Big Ten than we've seen in previous years. Iowa's loss to Kentucky was probably one of the more disappointments for me um, outside of what I mentioned about That was Michigan. a great game. Um, you know, Iowa ha- had a chance. Uh, were they fourth and short, like fourth and yeah, one? And they, and they punted. They get that first down, the game's over, and then, you know, Wondell Robinson doesn't beat him on, on a late play. Um, that was a disappointing loss for Iowa to see them lose a game like that to Kentucky. How about Wandale? Man, Going oh pro. man. <laughs> well, in bowl season in general, like, you know, t- two of Nebraska's leading receivers from 2020 both played well in their bowl games. Cade Warner for Kansas State and Wandale Robinson for Kentucky. Yeah, Wandale was incredible. So that uh, was that fourth down catch that he made then, and then the play to set up. The go ahead. It was like uh, there was like a third and twenty-seven one where he co- yes he, he got thirty yards. That, on. that guy was phenomenal. So you know, good news is he is going pro, and Nebraska doesn't have to worry about him starring at. So can Nebraska school. claim him as their guy because they had him for two years and Kentucky had him for one? Clearly, but I think he surpassed his volume and then some in one season at Kentucky than he did in his previous two years at Nebraska. No, and and Wandell's great. I mean. He was first class and was pretty specific why he left, and he backed it up with what he performed this year. I mean, I, I don't think any Nebraska fan should be disappointed at Wondell Robinson. Like, I mean, clearly, he, he made the right decision given what his career was, or his, his, what his time at Kentucky was compared to what his career at Nebraska was. I'm just more intrigued 
what will this look like with a different quarterback? And Adrian did a lot of good things, but I think his down-the-field vision to fully run things at the pace to win in this league lacked at times. And if they have that guy now, what will it look like? I mean, that that to me is the unknown of Nebraska heading into this fifth year for Scott Frost. Mm -hmm. I think just his inability to stay healthy. I mean, it was one thing after another every single season with him, uh, especially last year when – you know, the, the broken jaw situation and the shoulder injury and all that to where he could barely even throw. Uh, we rarely saw Adrian at full health, but those instances when he actually was healthy, he was really good. And so that was kind of the conundrum with him is you saw the flashes of how dynamic he could be as one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the Big Ten Conference uh, and how much Nebraska's offense changed when he was able to be a runner and, and a thrower. But when he got hurt, everything always just went into a shell, and Nebraska's offense could never recover from that because they had no other options at quarterback that were, that were remotely viable. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk uh, Big Ten for next year. It really is wide open. I, I think when you look at the West, and let's just talk on the West. I mean, Minnesota loses their entire offensive line. They'll bring back everybody else. They got Mo Ibrahim back. They've got um, Tanner, Morgan, Tanner back. Morgan back for his 25th Otman year. Otman Bell's coming back. So they've got their skill back, but that offensive line. That's a big deal. I mean, four of those guys are going to get drafted, if not all five. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, you think about the perception of those Purdue and Minnesota losses. I mean, you know, at the time, Nebraska fans made it felt feel like Nebraska lost to like three and nine type teams. Both Minnesota and both Purdue won nine games. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they were quality teams. And, I, you know, Nebraska could have won both those games, as we know. They, they, they had an opportunity – uh, but they they played two of their worst games of the year against those two teams. Mm -hmm. And I think right now those are like your measuring sticks right now for Nebraska. I mean, Purdue and Nebraska were at very similar junctures going into this season, and it was kind of a defining year for both programs. And Nebraska went one way and Purdue went the other. And I think the Purdue is kind of – the example of that next step, the, turnaround that the next have. step that Nebraska needs to take, where they're in that conversation of getting the bounces to you know be nine and three instead of three and nine. Yeah, what Nebraska needs to propel the program under Scott Frost is a Michigan State game like Purdue had, mm -hmm. or an Iowa game where you know their program and what they're doing it all comes together and they beat they beat you know they come out and win. Yeah, where it's not just a lopsided win against Northwestern, you know, like go go and beat a team that. Uh, a good team. It's a yeah, good team and in an a, a important defining game for your season within your division. Well, and it felt like they were going to do that against Iowa. Yeah, there were multiple times you felt like they were going to do that. You felt like they were going to do that against Michigan State this year. Mm -hmm. In the fourth quarter, it felt that way against Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Um, against Iowa when Miles Farmer got there. Sorry, Ohio State when Miles Farmer got the pick. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and when you look at the division, who will they pick to win the division? I mean, will it be Iowa? Will it yeah. be Wisconsin? Usually, by default, will it's be the Purdue. Wisconsin or Iowa. Maybe Minnesota. Given I'll all tell you, the Purdue's names gonna, they're bringing back. Purdue's going to get a lot of second, third place consideration in the division. Mm -hmm. Nebraska's going to be picked like fifth or sixth. I mean, Illinois and Northwestern and Nebraska are going to be the bottom three, just based on kind of what happened. Yeah, and so it's another year where it's not going to be much separation between the, the teams at the top and uh, the teams in the middle of the pack. And that's what sets up well for Nebraska. When you pair that with, um, you know, what their perceived 22 schedule looks like, there's opportunity there. And that's what makes the season so important. Nebraska has to find a way to finally turn the course and take that jump. Cause if it's not going to happen next season, I don't know when it's going to happen. And obviously, um, Ohio State is the clear favorite to me in the East. I'm curious about Michigan. You well, know, if Harbaugh leaves. Yeah, about him potentially going to the NFL. And you see some weird stuff going on where, like, they're losing guys to the draft that, like, I know some of the, the Michigan writers were pretty shocked that some guys were, were declaring. And so you're maybe seeing some guys jump ship that wouldn't normally jump ship. Maybe there's some uncertainty going on about the future of that program. So we'll see what happens there, but that's a big deal. Cause obviously Michigan was the, the crown jewel of the conference this year. And if that thing gets, uh, you know, disrupted with a, a potential coaching change, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes up the, the Eastern division stance. Look, Jim Harbaugh took a major haircut. His neighbor, Mel Tucker is making double his salary right now. I get it, Mel Tucker beat Jim Harbaugh, but Jim Harbaugh has gone to a Super Bowl and now a college football playoff and won a Big Ten title. Mel Tucker's had one winning season as a head coach ever. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't probably sit well with Jim Harbaugh right now that 
he's making one of the lowest paid contracts right now in the Big Ten. Yeah, and it would be like total Harbaugh style to like take that pay cut, win, and be like, all right, peace. You know, <laughs> I'm out. I'm or, out. or they're going to have to renegotiate, and you know, and I, I think they will. They'll give him a renewal, and we'll see mm-hmm. if he takes it. So yeah, but I know he he strikes me as an NFL guy. I mean, he had that 49ers franchise going so well until the you know disagreements with management. Man, like as a Giants fan, like I think I'm like already thinking about like, would I want Jim Harbaugh? And I'm like. Right now, yes, the I would Raider, take Jim Harbaugh. Well, on the Raiders? Yeah, I know the, the Raiders are a team. The Bears are another team that get, keep getting brought up. So we'll see. I mean, he's going to have options, especially with what he's done at Michigan and the brand of football that he plays. And, yeah, he's quirky and borderline kind of a weirdo, but uh, he can coach, and he's won everywhere he's gone. Well, and Joel Klatt made a great point. He goes, they're always ranked under Ohio State in recruiting rankings, and he doesn't see that changing. So – the perception is when he beats Ohio State, it's always going to be an upset, mm-hmm. and that's tough. Like that, you can't get the you can't beat Ohio State consistently for players, and that 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 that's going to be always something he's going to have to deal with. But uh, when we come back, we're going to start the mailbag, Robin. Two mailbag segments, yes, not one, no oh boy, but two. And Abby Barmore, the newest full time member of the Husker Line staff, will join us. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. And before we bring in our newest official member of the Husker Online team, Abby Barmore, this segment of the show is brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic. If you're looking to go to Ireland, get onto the website, Huskers2Ireland. That's the number two, dot com. They've got everything you want to know about this trip on there. Um, different packages from three, five, seven-day trips, one, two, three-city tours. And now you can even get your airfare set up on there, and they have lots of options. I was just on there checking it out. Um, they have the perfect option for whatever your plan is to go to Ireland. Um, you can book um, through Aer Lingus, obviously the, the main partner, and get out there um, through a couple of ways. Or there's options that go through United Airlines, Delta Airlines, I believe American. Um, so there are a lot of good flexible options um, to get yourself out to Dublin, Ireland uh, for this 2022 Aer Lingus Classic. I can just see Robin's smile on his face as we had um, a representative from Jameson on last week. And he's been thinking about that Jameson whiskey now for the last week. Yeah, that's one of many things. I'm already... Planning out uh, a full week of activities for this Ireland trip. Uh, it's, it's the worst part about it is that it's still what like eight months away. It will go quick. Yeah, I know. No, it won't. I'll be like watching the clock. It's like it'll be like sitting there watching water boil. It's gonna be it's gonna be painful. But once we're out there, it'll all be worth it. You'll be on a week long whiskey tour, Guinness tour. Yeah. Well, I, my goal is to not let it totally reflect in my riding, but I'm not gonna make any promises. <laughs> yeah, the food it, it's outstanding, and you want to get on the website Huskers to Ireland. Dot com, but let's bring in the, the the newest official official member of our team. She's been a part of our team, but we've now graduated her to the full time team. Um, Abby Barmore um, is now officially a member Robin of our staff. Uh, she came on as an intern um, in May and um, jumped right in with me covering camps in June. Uh, was a part of football over the summer, then covered volleyball as well as football and. Uh, we'll hand, uh, handle some baseball things this spring as well. Abby, congratulations and, and welcome officially to the Husker Online team. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited for all the fun things I get to do. Well, we're looking forward to having you, and we've had a lot of interns, and obviously um, we think very highly of you to have you join the team. So we're, we're, we're really glad that uh, we're going to be working with you for uh, the years to come. Hopefully a lot of years. All right. Well, <laughs> let's get into the mailbag. Abby, you've got lots of questions, and we're going to go two mailbag segments, Robin. 
um, mainly because I spent two minutes talking about Ireland and um, <laughs> we need more time for questions. But let's get into the, the beginning of the mailbag. What do you have? Awesome. So based on what you know, including what you can't share, how would you evaluate or grade Nebraska's offseason efforts? I think it's still to be determined, but I mean, I, I think it feels like two quarterbacks is imminent. I think it feels like they're going to get probably a high school running back. I like their chances to get at least one more receiver, maybe a portal receiver. Uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, and, you know, I, I would like to see them get a nose tackle, but there just aren't a lot of those guys out there. They they were in on one from Washington. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Um, but, you know, it's so fluid. I, I think just the, the way this portal has become, Robin, um, it changes and nothing is actually a for sure thing until they get on campus. Just ask UCLA that with Dylan Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, go down the list of, uh, what was that? Demario, uh, how do you spell, say his first name? Stringfellow. Demario Stringfellow. Demo yeah. Yeah. So that one, one, that's a perfect example of this is nothing new where we deal with transfers. And that was pre portal. Yeah, exactly. Nothing is official until they are actually until they receive aid. Yes. On campus, attending classes, all that stuff. They got to so, get that aid check. And then once they get that money, they're locked in. But until then, I mean, it's non-binding. It's a different world of recruiting. But I would say to answer your question, Abby, is so far it's been pretty good. Uh, I I mean, considering the hires that they've made so far, um, I like the approach they've taken in building the staff. Um, you know, they had a lot of holes to fill offensively, and I think that the the guys they brought in seem to all check a lot of boxes of what they wanted and needed. So um, in that regard, I think they've done a, a good job. Uh, they've addressed some needs uh, in the portal so far, but yeah, what they do at quarterback is ultimately going they to get define. To how you grade this offseason overall. I mean, if they can pull off this thing of getting two, that would be fairly remarkable in this era. That, yeah. You know, and it speaks to Mark Whipple because if they can convince, say, Chubba Purdy to be that number two, um, that's quite a recruiting job because you just don't see, well, you know, and it would make up for the loss of Adrian Martinez, Noah Vedrill, and Luke McCaffrey. I mean, those are – Technically, three guys that would have eligibility still in Nebraska, and and you're, you know, you're trying to get some of that depth back on your roster. Yeah, I I wrote this in the chat though. Personally, I don't like the two quarterback approach. I mean, obviously they're just kind of dealing with what they they have to work with. I personally would have hoped they would have gotten like a bona fide, clear cut day one. This is going to be the starter, and not just add more competition to the mix. I mean, they obviously had to get bodies in there and uh, with the names that have surfaced, it seems like they're, they're going to get at least some, some capable players that, that can compete for the starting job. But I think my ideal plan, this is again, personally would be to go and, and get one of those bona fide, you know, clear cut guys that uh, is going to take the reins from the first day of winter conditioning uh, in a critical season for this program. And it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It seems like they're going to go with the two QB approach and just hope that, with the guys they have currently on the roster and the guys that they bring in through the portal that out of that group, they can find uh, their quarterback of the future, at least for this season. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag with Husker Online's Abby Barmore. Do you honestly think the new coaches are going to get more out of the current players? Is it a scheme or a talent issue? Well, they. I mean, I, I think people forget they weren't that far off last year. I mean, you know, there was a debate on our board because Indiana also played – you know, nine games against opponents that won nine or more games, just like Nebraska did. Um, I'm sorry, eight, eight or I'm trying to use eight or nine, but you know, but Indiana was blowing out like in almost all of their losses. As we know, Nebraska was close, and I get it. There are no moral victories, but you know, Nebraska was tied with a college football playoff team in the final six minutes. They had the ball down 23-17 inside the red zone to take the lead on the Rose Bowl winner, Ohio State. Um, they had a two-score lead on Iowa. I mean, they 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 were in Madison, a play away from going to overtime. Um, so there's a lot that you can say. Like, you know, they they did take some steps forward. Unfortunately, they played one of the toughest schedules maybe in the modern day history of Nebraska football, and they just had some incredibly bad luck. Now, is bad luck bad coaching, or is bad luck bad luck? And I think that's where you know, the debate will always be. No one really has the answer to that question. Yeah, I think at some point you create your own luck, and I think Nebraska got to the point where, you know, they just had this cloud over their head that as soon as things started to turn against them, then uh, they, they just 
lost their their resilience in the most crucial moments. But like you said, Sean, they weren't that far away. And if the staff can find a way to just make them incrementally better in a handful of areas, if they're better on special teams, if they're better on the offensive line, and if the offense is more consistent, and especially with the run game, it looks like they're going to hire four new coaches for, for all of those specific areas. And if those guys can address those issues and make them at least somewhat better then that might be enough to put Nebraska over the top or to where they're winning more of those one score games and they're losing who do you think are the top running backs coaches that Nebraska is talking to and should Husker fans be worried that the new coach hasn't been announced yet no I, I, I know they've talked to guys and I know they have interest um, and you know we're taping this on Thursday I, I think it's going to be announced very soon uh, I mean, to me, there's been two names that emerged from the pack. Greg Knox from Florida and Brian Applewhite from TCU. Um, I think TCU, if you were to kind of project, or I'm sorry, Applewhite, he would be the guy. He was at Colorado State before that. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But, um, you know, obviously Ron Brown stepped in for the bowl, or it's not the bowl game, but the end of the season. And, you know, but it, I, I think Ron Brown will stick where he's at. And somebody like a Brian Applewhite seems like the likely guy right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess out of Knox and Applewhite, I mean, I think you said Applewhite's the the favorite, but do you think that's the better hire? Yeah, well, it I don't know. I mean, Knox has been an SEC assistant coach since like '95. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been in the SEC since I was like in eighth grade. I mean, he's been there a long time, and you know, you, so you hear mixed reviews. Obviously, Florida fans don't think highly of the guy because he was on a staff that got fired. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I think Applewhite, you know, appears to be the direction they're going. They just need a guy that can engage this room and and figure out a running back. I mean, yeah. if you don't have a one thousand yard back in this league, you're not going to win the division or play for the division. I mean, Nebraska has had the three worst productive years in consecutive history of running backs that we've seen in the program. Yeah. I mean, they haven't had a thousand yard rusher since 2018. And the inability to turn any of high profile recruiting talent that they brought in into anything substantial. I mean, the best guy they've had was Divina Zigbo. And, the and they fell into him. him. Yeah, they, they inherited him. So uh, whoever is this new running back coach, not only do you need to recruit backs, but you need to get them good enough to where they're actually making an impact at Nebraska. All right, we're going to continue the mailbag segment. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed, Abby Barmore, taking your questions in the mailbag as uh, thought we'd do two mailbag segments because tell you what, Robin, every week we just talking off air about this. We do the Red Sea Scrolls chat on Tuesdays. And, you know, the chat used to just be like an hour thing, in, out, hour, maybe hour and ten. I mean, the chat's become like, for us, a two-hour thing on Tuesdays. I mean, we... The the vol the sure volume of questions that we get, um, it's insane. I mean, there is not another chat like the Red Sea Scrolls chat anywhere for Husker fans, and uh, we do our best to try to a- answer all the questions every week, and then we take some of the better questions and bring them onto the chat because we were just saying the Husker fans ask probably better questions than a lot of the reporters ask. Yeah, and clearly that's what people want to know and want to talk about. So it's a great resource, not only just for the the chat itself, but for our podcast to. Be on the pulse of what Husker Nation wants to discuss. All right, Abby, what is next? Regardless of who is brought in to bolster depth and compete for a starting job, who do you see Nebraska's offensive line? Do you see them taking a big jump forward due to the philosophical change between Rayola and Austin? Um, they can only get better. I, I think when you look at the tackle play alone, and Abby, you're diving through the analytics of the offensive line and – I mean, you got the number. What are the numbers? I mean, you talk about pressures and some of the things allowed. I mean, there was no line in the country um, worse than Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska's tackles, it was kind of offensive, actually, looking through all of those No pun intended. (laughs) Hey, that's pretty good. Um, But Turner Corcoran, he had 60 
pressures. He allowed 60 pressures, which was the most in like all of college football. It was a lot. And then Bryce Benhart had like 39, I want to say. So that is a lot. And Bryce Benhart really, you know, didn't, you know, he, he missed some time. He was benched yeah. for a couple games. Yeah. So that's wild. Um, I'm pretty sure that Turner scored like a zero on pass blocking. On the year? Yeah. Zero. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's the debate. Was it coaching? Was it him being injured and not being all the way up to speed to play at the Big Ten level against really every one of these teams had an elite pass rusher in the conference. And when you're a left tackle, you're going to go against that guy most often, more often than not. So there are a lot of things, um, you know, to look at. And I, I think for Donovan Riola, Robin, the – challenge is how can he fix some of these guys I mean are they repairable and how do you get some of these guys to play what really they were ranked at because I am so tired of every single one of Nebraska's good players not performing I mean, sooner or later it's not the recruiting services got this wrong like right I mean Turner Corcoran was a four-star recruit Ohio was, State wanted him yeah Clemson Auburn go down the list Georgia all those schools wanted Turner Corcoran to play offensive line for him and somehow he comes to Nebraska and is the worst pass blocking tackle in college football like how does how does that happen so yeah the bar is set so low that I'm fairly confident to say yes Nebraska's offensive line will be better because I don't know if it can get much worse and what I do think is Riola's style uh, in which he, he wants his offensive line to play is much more conducive to what the Big Ten needs. Uh, the idea of blocking to a spot and this like zone blocking scheme, I don't, I don't love it. I, I think you just need to go knock the guy in front of you backwards and move the pile, and all, then all of a sudden your offense well, works a little better. And that style you're talking about works better in the NFL. I think when you're a paid professional and can execute, right. that works. But you know, you're talking about young guys that aren't savvy enough to sometimes play like that. I mean – you're better off saying, look, you are 6'9", 330 pounds. Get up there and knock the living crap out of that guy. Yeah, it's probably harder to do, too, against some of the best defensive linemen and, and pass rushers in all of college football, too. That that certainly uh, makes that more difficult to accomplish. All right. What do you got next, Abby? How do you think Nebraska's special teams improved over the offseason, including portal pickups and the potential new special teams coach? Um I think the biggest thing, I'm not as necessarily worried about the special teams coach. We assume it's obviously Bill Bush who's going to move in that role, and he was an analyst in that role last year. So there's not going to be a lot of change. Mike Dawson's still on the staff. The big change is kicker and punter. So much of the problems for Nebraska on special teams have come down to kicker and punter. Mm -hmm. I mean, they make a punt against Michigan State, they win. Yeah, kick the ball, you're supposed to kick it. Make, don't get an extra point block return for a two-point conversion. I mean, they had a punt block against Iowa. Don't shank field goals. Like, you know, I mean, like little things that are 100% on personnel were a big reason why Nebraska's special teams were as bad as they were. Cam Taylor-Britt fielded a punt in the yeah, end don't, zone. Don't throw I mean, a ball forward on a punt return in the, your, your own end zone. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I think the kicker and the punter alone, when you talk about Timmy Bleakrod and Brian Buccini, you know, what they're going to bring, I mean, that should help improve things quite a bit. Yeah, and I think, like, the overall, the coverage teams were good enough. Uh, you know, they obviously had the punt return against Michigan State, but that wasn't on the coverage team. That was no. on the punter. And so, you know, you look at the, the big glaring issues, it was all with the specialists. I mean, it was the missed kicks and the poor punting. Where, what was the bowl game that happened where somebody, like, missed, fired on a punt, and they had another guy, and the guy re returned oh. it? There was a game this weekend, and I'm like, oh, yeah, my I, gosh. I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. And it was, it was like a misfire. I'm show you. I mean, yeah. the coverage team is designed to go a certain way. And when you kick to the other side of the field, all of a sudden, no coincidence, you're not going to have anybody there to tackle the guy. All right. What's next, Abby? What do you think is Frost's biggest overall failure so far? And has that led to four seasons of losing records? <sighs> on, on the other hand, what do you think is the biggest reason for optimism going forward? You know, when you look at just the big picture, I mean, I think there are some things he said at the beginning that obviously he would probably like to have had back. There's some statements and and decisions. I mean, you talk about getting Joe Burrow. I was leading the Joe Burrow charge in hmm. May of 2018 when I talked to Jimmy Burrow at an Iowa Western football practice at 530 in the morning in the spring when Joe had just gone on the portal. And 
was kind of surprised. I was leading the Joe Burrow charge back in Bo Pelini's time when they decided to take the guy that moved to tight end. Um, (laughs) The kid kid from uh, Texas. Yeah, well, he was an overseas guy. I mean, so that's one. I don't care what the circumstances are. You cannot say – I mean, that, that would have changed the whole trajectory of this whole program. And, and he wanted to be here, and, and that didn't work out. Um, but I, I think from just, an overall, just his overall like, relationship with players and the team, if, if there's one thing I hear from guys, you know, can, he get, can he develop better bonds day-to-day with some of his players, get to know the players more? Um, I think that's probably where I, I want to see him you – know, just connect better with his team at times. Um, as far as optimism, I think the schedule, number one, it's probably one of the more favorable schedules they've had. You know, you look at the first six games, Oklahoma's obviously on that first six, but Indiana, Rutgers, and Northwestern. I mean, those are three of the worst teams in the Big Ten, Georgia Southern and North Dakota. So they've got a great opportunity out of the gates to maybe be, you know, five and one. And and they've got to be five and one if they really want this thing to go next year. Yeah, for me, it's the lack of player development. Um, and we just talked about the offensive line, how guys aren't not only not getting better, some guys are getting worse when they come to Nebraska. Uh, you look at the running back situation. The fact that their best running back was a guy that they didn't even recruit. And all these guys they bring in never make it. They don't even pan out. Even even remotely close to what their potential should have been, uh, like Brees Hall could have been here too, and they yeah. they chose Adrian Martinez. I mean, his best year was his freshman year, and he did not get better. And so, you know, that is probably the big most glaring thing is just guys that come in here that are supposed to be you know building blocks for taking this team to the next level, either just come in and, and, and tap out as freshmen or just get progressively worse uh, or if they make it through four years at all. So that has to change. I mean, you have to have a better development within your program if you're going to try to compete with some of the best developmental programs in the country like Wisconsin and Iowa and the like. And But as far as what I think Scott has done well, for me, it's his willingness to adapt. And yes, you can make the case that some of these changes should have happened a long time ago, but at least they're happening. And, you know, maybe whatever the circumstances that caused it, at least he's finding ways to adjust his style uh, where he came in here thinking that, you know, everything he touched was going to turn to gold. Uh, Big Ten's going to have to adjust to us, all that stuff, to where now, I mean, he's recruiting a different type of player uh, up front in the trenches. He's changing the dynamics of his offense to where he's giving up the play calling duties. Uh, He's turning it over to an experienced uh, offensive coordinator to be more of a CEO type. So I think just that willingness to change his approach and adapt to the conference uh, is at least showing progress from you know maybe the stubbornness that he came in with all right final question you got anything quick or light we can end on abby do you have any new year's resolutions (laughs) i hate these are such hard questions like i'm gonna go (laughs) to the gym and work out every day um i don't i mean just be a better person um you know it's so hard to with all the distractions we have in life i mean I, i think we all can be better people we can try to not be so engaged in social medias and things. And it's hard to do. It's really hard to do, but that's probably one for me is just try to be a more focused, better person, which in today's world is not easy to do. Yeah. I think I joked that I was going to not let the New York giants hurt me anymore, but that, <laughs> that resolution lasted all of two days with that effort in Chicago against the bears. So uh, I've already failed on that one. So my resolutions are done. What about you, Abby? I don't really know. Oh, I mean, you ask us the hard question. We come at you. Come on. The hard one. I think since I'm starting off the new year with my first full-time job here. Don't get fired. Yeah. Well, <laughs> seriously, we might have to re-record this part. Um, but I want to make the most of every t- opportunity that I get this year. Let's go get it. All right. When we come back, we'll uh, close the show with some Husker basketball talk as Nebraska plays at Rutgers on Saturday. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Final segment, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. It's been quite a show. 
And uh, now talking some Nebraska basketball as we close things up with Robin Washed and Robin, um, you know, the road has been tough. It's not going to get any easier for the Nebraska basketball team. They had an opportunity to beat Ohio State on Sunday night. Um, really, all that man had to do is probably make one of two free throws. If makes both, it's probably for sure a win. They come up short, and they got to travel out to Michigan State. Uh, they played the Spartans fairly tough. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting Nebraska to go into East Lansing and win that game. Uh, there were some moments, uh, but once again, uh, another loss, and now on the road against a much-improved Rutgers program. I mean, how do you assess kind of the pulse of Fred Hoiberg's team right now? Yeah, I mean, I guess compared to where things were, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, they've they're at least trying harder. They're competing harder, um, and they're doing some things better offensively. Um, I, I think some of the different schematic changes that Fred Hoiberg tried to implement, basically right before that Auburn game, are starting to slowly but surely take into effect. And um, the big part of that is playing more through Derek Walker um, in the high post, and so uh, they've been able to at least establish a little bit more consistency with the basketball compared to how bad they were, uh, like I said, uh, a month ago. So there's been incremental progress, but, you know, just hasn't been good enough. Hadn't been good enough to win, especially in opportunities that, um, you know, they've, they've had to, to close games out and finish off victories and found one way or another to, to lose. So that Ohio State game, you know, you add it to the list, that's, that's the third game that they've lost in the final minute. And, and, and this taken to Western Illinois and also the NC State game. And this schedule, Robin, doesn't get any easier. I mean, you're at Rutgers, who is two and one in the Big Ten. You're at ten and three and three and oh, or they come to Lincoln, Illinois. will be in Lincoln on Tuesday. And then you go to Purdue, who's one of the best teams, at least on paper, in the yeah. conference. In the country. In the country. And then you're back with Indiana again. And then you play at Ohio State, who I'm sure will be really happy to play Nebraska after nearly losing in Lincoln before Wisconsin and then Rutgers. I mean, they have a brutal January still left on the schedule, and I haven't even looked at February. Yeah, and so, you know, Rutgers, just from an analytics standpoint, is probably uh, the worst team Nebraska is going to play the rest of the year. Uh, you look at the Ken Palm ratings, they're currently 95th, uh, and the, you know, the, the next lowest team after that is Minnesota at 83rd. And right now the projections are Nebraska has a 25% chance to win that game. So – it's not looking good, um, but again, you know the one thing that you can say is you know Nebraska hasn't quit. Uh, you looked at where this season was not too long ago; it looked like it was about ready to get really, really ugly. And um, to their credit, they found a way to pull together. Uh, and yes, they've they've lost games, but you know they should have beaten the number thirteen ranked team in the country in Ohio State. Uh, they were competing with the number tenth or the tenth ranked team in the country in Michigan State on the road for you know, the better part of 30 minutes of that game. So, you know, they're, they're not completely imploding the way that you thought that they potentially could have uh, a, a short while ago. So, you know, maybe this is a deal like last year where, you know, while they might not, might not be winning, they still continue to find ways to, to get better and might be able to knock off one of these teams down the road. Cause you know, the big 10 has shown that, you know, anybody can play with anyone, you know, Nebraska is by far the worst team in the league. And, you know, they, should have beaten Ohio State. Uh, you know, they almost went into NC State and won that game. And, uh, you know, they gave Michigan State uh, a Where run for a while. Where is NC State at right now after that Nebraska game? Uh, they're not very good. They're 110th right now um, in the Ken Palm ratings. So where's Kansas State at in there? K-State is 70th. That, I mean, there's been a lot of disappointing ones, but that was disappointing. Yeah, the, the K-State, well, yeah, they should have won the NC State game. And you wonder what happens if they win that. What if... What if Bryce makes the second free throw to win it in overtime? What or they if, call the foul. What if Alonzo Verge gets the obvious blatant foul and, and makes the free throws to win it? Suddenly, you know, maybe that changes the trajectory of those next four games, at least uh, makes you more competitive against Michigan and Auburn and maybe gives you a better chance against Kansas State. But, you know, it's a game of what ifs right now. And right now Nebraska's got uh, a lot of things to figure out still. You know, they, like I said, they, they are better than they were a month ago, but they are still a very flawed team and they still have a lot of issues that they need to address in order to finally get over the hump and find a way to, to actually win one of these games. And right now, uh, you know, you look at the, the Ken Palm ratings, they're projected to lose out the rest of the season. So 
something's got to turn here for them uh, where they can put together a full 40 minutes and find a way to, to win one of these games that currently they're, they're expected to lose. Well, and so much attention, Robin, gets put on Bryce McGowan's and Alonzo oh, Verge, but uh, Derek Walker has been playing really good basketball. Yeah, he's been by far the biggest bright spot. Uh, and again, a lot of that has to do with the way that they've changed their approach offensively to where he's getting a touch on almost every possession, and that's how it needs to be. Right now, you could make the case that he is Nebraska's best player, uh, certainly the most consistent player. And just from a production standpoint, um, he's the one guy that's bringing it every single night. Uh, yes, he could be a better rebounder. Uh, you know, he, he had four turnovers the other night against Michigan State, so, I mean, that's something that needs to be addressed. But as far as, I mean, he's shooting almost 80% from the field. Uh, he's just had 16 points uh, against Michigan State in a you know really challenging matchup with their front court. And so Derek Walker's the one guy that Nebraska can, can hang its hat on and know that he's going to bring it night in, night out. And I would imagine they're going to not only continue to run the offense through him, but try to establish more scoring opportunities to get Derek Walker even more involved uh, offensively with, with more shot attempts. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, leads me to my next question. Uh, really the leader of this team is Trey McGowan's. Robin, what is the update on Trey? When you look at these games on that January slate, what are you eyeballing as probably when we'll see Trey McGowan's back on the court? So all they've said is mid-January. So what does that mean? Well, you look at the schedule. Uh, I would probably put it somewhere between the window of the Friday, January 14th game at Purdue to the – at the latest – uh, the January 25th game uh, home against Wisconsin. So it's either going to be that Purdue game or uh, against home against Indiana on January 17th or at Ohio State on January 22nd. I think one of those three games is probably the most likely window for his return. But one thing you got to remember is just because he's back, he's not going to just pick up full steam ahead of where he left off. Trey exudes so much energy and effort with the way that he plays, that there's going to be an acclimation period uh, physically. I mean, he can be in shape coming off this foot injury, but being in shape is a whole lot different than being in Big Ten basketball shape. And so you're going to see his minutes probably managed uh, for the first few games that he's back until he gets his his lungs back uh, under him and he's able to play for a full you know 35 minutes like he normally does uh, in Big Ten level. Yeah, who do you see you know losing the minutes here? Will Kobe Webster lose minutes? Will Lat? Um, will CJ? Will Casey? I mean, yeah, it- probably Casey right now because Casey's struggling. Uh, CJ's playing pretty well, and you know, I mean, the reason Casey's starting is because Trey McGowan's got hurt. So I would say that that's probably the guy who's going to get hurt the most, um, especially with how well Kobe's been playing. I mean, it, it just says. That, that next facilitator. I mean, his his minutes will drop. I don't know if he's going to be playing 30 minutes like he has the past few nights, but he's still going to be involved. And who knows? I mean, with the way that Alonzo's been struggling the last couple games, you know, maybe, maybe his minutes get uh, eaten into a little bit. But, you know, like I said, that's going to be kind of a, a, a transition when Trey does return. Like I said, he's not going to jump right in and be back at his, you know, 35 to 38 minutes a game right off the bat. He's, he's just got to get back into game shape, but that shouldn't take too long. Well, Robin, uh, it should be a very interesting month of January. It's not going to get any easier um, for you guys. The grind is real <laughs> for everyone involved. And, you know, like I said, if there's one thing, one silver lining to all this is Nebraska hasn't quit. And I think that's the baseline expectation that you need to even have a chance at surviving this deal. Well, make sure you're online as we'll have plenty more coverage on Transfer Portal, Obviously, Robin will keep you up to date on everything Nebraska basketball as well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 